So good to, to welcome you if I've not met you, if you're new or coming back. I, I met a load of people who have been part of the Trinity family over the years and coming back um, I, I, even since the time that I've, I've been here, Nikki and I have been here. So massive welcome to you. It's a real privilege to lead the team here at Trinity and try and make sense of, of what God is doing. And you're, you're just so welcome in this place. I, I hope you know that you're a guest of God. Uh, that's the, He's the one who uh, wanted you to to be here, and that's quite amazing, isn't it? Um, I've I brought with me one of my most treasured uh, possessions. Here you go. This is one of my most treasured, treasured possessions. This is the number plate of my first ever car. Here it is. Um, I mean, I, I, she was, oh, 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 she was awesome. She was, ah. Oh, she was blue. Blue. Beautiful shade of blue. I, I actually painted my, her myself. Um, it was a sort of white colour when I, when I, when I got, got Pop. I called her Pop. I don't know why I called her Pop. But anyway, there you go. And, and I painted her blue myself because I didn't like the white. And there were some, some little brown bits around on her as well, which were, which were cute. But I just thought I'd get some spray paint out. And I painted her myself. And, I, I mean, she was... Ah, oh, she was just awesome. I mean, I, I think if I remember rightly, she was about ugh, 995 cc's under the hood. I mean, you know, we're talking quite a rev, we really are. I mean, you know, powerful is not... In fact, she was such a special kind of car. Some of, many of you will never have seen, but for the people who were born this century and not last century like me, she was what's called, and just savour this, she was, I'll tell you the model number, she was a Renault 4, yeah? Lots of you don't know what a Renault 4 is, just turn to a neighbour and say, it was a Renault 4, yeah, a Renault 4. Um, they were such, a, such an exclusive kind of car. You don't see them anymore because people love them. There weren't many made and, and, and collectors sort of hold on to them. Um, I mean, she was beautiful. I mean, she would do 0 to 60. Seriously, she would do 0 to 60 in, in a journey of about 50 miles, honestly. Um, I mean, she was like... Uh, the, one problem uh, with Pop, as, as I called her, because she would go bang at any time. I know it's a bad joke. Um, uh, was that her brakes were not the best. They were not the best. So, in fact, her brakes were so bad. Mark, who was my best man at, at my wedding, when I first got Pop and I drove up and I was, I was so proud, I'd made it. I mean, this was me. I'd made it. I got my first car. I, I, I was alive. I was, I was the king of the road. I was, I, was, <laughs> I was very attractive to members of the opposite sex. Let's be honest. In my hand-painted blue Renault 4, just rumming up, I was attractive. I, I, I drew up once, genuine story, drew up beside all my friends. They were on the, you know, and I kind of leant out the w window. Uh, I think I had to sort of push it down and force it down a bit. And I, I kind of leant out, and then I got out the car, and I was imagining, you know, just dreaming a... Here was Pop, the, the you know, I just, oh, I'd made it. And my friend Mark, who was my best man at my wedding, he jumped into the car and shot off down the road in it for a joke. And I was running after him shouting, the brakes don't work, the brakes don't work. He did a complete circuit, came back and stopped and got out white as a sheet and said, the brakes don't work. And I said, yeah, I know. I was trying to tell you the brakes don't work. 
Once on the North Circular in London, I was driving along. It was my first ever accident. I haven't had many. Um, I drove over a hill on a little bit of the, of the North Circular Road in London. And actually, there was a car stopped the other side, and the brakes didn't work. And I smashed straight into the back of the car. And this beautiful woman got out and started just screaming at me. Ah! What have you done to my car? And we both went around to look at the damage. And there was not a single mark on her car. But the, the, the bumper of pop fell off. Ah, I had to get a bit of string and tie it back on and drove it around for a while. Oh, such a, such a possession. Ah, oh, just all you, just such a, just, this is, you know, this is me. I was king of the road. But she's gone. She's gone. It's a bit sad, isn't it, really? There's, there's lots of things that, 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 that go, don't they? You know, you, you think at the time, I'm going to just put her here, just, just we can all worship a little bit, just below the cross, don't worry. Um, <laughs> oh, Renault 4. GL, if I remember rightly. French, g l I was thinking about all the things. I mean, I have been alive far too long, really. I was born, born, um, well, last century. Um, is there anyone else here tonight who was born in the last century? Anyone got a 19 before? Just, yeah, just one, two. Just so I can see some wizened little hands being raised. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. My first mobile phone, I had one of the, I was in business, I had a mobile phone. It was one of the brick ones. You know, it was as big as a briefcase. Oh, I thought it was so special. I thought I'd made it as a, yeah. And, and, and we, used to, we used to use, it was a funny thing. It used to ring and we used to pick it, honestly, we used to pick it up and it had a wire attached to it. And then it had another wire that went into the wall. And that attached to a wire that went all the way to the other person that you were speaking to. We called it a telephone. We used to, we used to pick it up. I wonder if there's anything that you uh, have already outgrown in your year. Some of you are, are so, so young. You, you, you know, maybe... Maybe you, you haven't. I mean, I wonder what's going to, I wonder what you now value that is actually going to be obsolete in the future. Um, does anyone remember USB sticks? Anyone remember uh, USB sticks? We used to put, do you remember this? We used to, I mean, it's so, so many years ago, isn't it? We used to put our files onto a little USB stick and then we used to carry them around with us. Some of you are just killing yourself laughing at the idea that you would carry files on a USB stick. Uh, your kids are going to really laugh at you about, about keys. Do you, you realise that? They're going to, they're going to, oh, so you used to get a bit of metal, did you? <laughs> All right, mum. <laughs> and you, you used to put it in and, and turn it, did you? They'll be obsolete. They'll, they'll have gone. W would anyone here be bothered? I wonder if you lost your keys tonight, those of you got your keys, I'm guessing you'd be quite bothered about losing your keys right now. They, they matter to you. Do your keys matter to you right now? 
do you realise, as I say, maybe 10 years' time, five years' time, some of the people who can't tell us where they work who are in the building at the moment, civil servants amongst us, you might tell us it's only a year, two years. I wonder what's precious to you, what matters to you, that isn't just going to matter at all in the future. It's, it's interesting, isn't it, what we give ourselves to. I mean, I, I worked and saved up. I mean, I had, this was, in, it, back in my day, this was the equivalent of about 700 million pounds. I gave 60 pounds, 60 pound notes for, for pop. This was before there was paper money. It was in gold. <laughs> what are your priorities? What are the things that you're bothered about? What are the things that you could lose tonight, you would not have tonight? And you'd be really, that would be, you know, a key, set of keys or, I wonder what you're prioritizing. Some of you are a bit ahead of me, aren't you? We're doing this series as a church. We're thinking about what are our priorities. We're not really thinking about New Year's resolutions as such, because resolutions come and resolutions definitely go. I think the stats are by now most of us have forgotten whatever they were. But priorities, what are the first things? What are the things that matter? What are the the things that we want to live by? What are the things that define who we are, that make us really who we are? I I was a bit defined by a blue car for a while called Pop. I'm not now. And and we've we've got... uh, We've got this series that we're teaching into about what it means to follow Jesus' words. When someone asked him, a a Pharisee, a religious person of the day, people just like us, got asked, uh, you know, asked Jesus, well, some of us anyway are quite religious. What's What's the most important thing, Jesus? Hills, who was speaking this morning, you can watch her excellent talk online, was just reminding us that in Jesus' day, the, the, the people of God at that time, they had hundreds and hundreds of instructions and rules and commandments. And some of them were about positive things to do, but lots of them were about the things that you didn't do. Don't do this and don't do this and don't do that and don't do the other. And then you'll make yourself right with God. And we're doing this series about our priorities, just thinking about Jesus' answer to that question. Here's the, here's the verses. Here's what Jesus said. We've got two sets. We're just in the first one at the moment. Jesus said, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then he, he went on to say the second great commandment, the second most important is to love your neighbor as yourself. And then in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to pick up on what sometimes gets called, well, is called the Great Commission, the instructions that Jesus gave to his followers when he left earth and went back to heaven. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. These are the priorities that we're called to live by and we're, we're thinking them about as our, our focus. What does it mean to live by these priorities? Because the things about priorities, you have to get them in first. Otherwise, life just squeezes them, squeezes them out. 
Many of you probably have heard the little illustration that, that does illustrate this, but I'm going to say it again because it's such a good one to remind ourselves at the beginning of a new year as we're trying to think, what are the priorities? What are the things that I want to live by? It's that illustration of that teacher at a uni or somewhere who had a you know, class in front of him and had a great big jar and said, oh, you know, I wonder how much I can get into this jar. And he had some big rocks and he put the jar full of, of big rocks and he said to the group of students, he said, do you think I can get any more into into this jar and most of the people at the lecture said yeah of course you can I can see some space and said yeah you're right and he got some pebbles and he poured the pebbles into this jar and so there were the big stones and the pebbles and it was up to the top of the jar and then he says to the class says do you think I could get some more into you know can you fit some more and a few of them say no it's full now but quite a few say yeah I think you maybe get a bit more in and yeah you're right I can get more in and gets a, a bag of sand and pours sand into the jar and so you've got the big rocks, you've got the little pebbles, and then you've got the sand that is now filling it right to the top. Can you squeeze any more into this, he says. Most of the uni lecture groups say no. A couple say maybe, don't know. There's a trick, I think. He says, yeah, you can. Gets a jug of water. And pours the water into the big jar that he's got. So you've got the big rocks, you've got the little pebbles, you've got the sand, and now it's filled with water. He says, what's my point? And if you know the illustration, you know there's someone at the back of the lecture who puts their hand up and says, you can always squeeze more in if you want And he says, that's not my point. My point is, if you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never get them in at the end. I'm sure a lot of us have heard that before. The point is well made, isn't it? We live in a world that says you can squeeze some more in. You can squeeze some more in. But God tonight is saying to you, as he says to me, early in a new year, if you don't get your priorities right, you're not going to squeeze them in. called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul and with all our mind, with with all of us. Uh, Here's a picture for some people tonight, a picture of love. There you are, there's an R moment. There's a cat. Come on, come on, there's a cat. It gets an R, doesn't it? Gets an R. I've shown you a number plate. I've told you a provocative personal story about Pop. I've torn my heart. And now I've shown you a cat. Affection, love. Okay, some of you don't like that. Here's a real picture of love. Yeah, it's to the Emirates Stadium, Arsenal. Ah, oh, I knew you'd like that. What do you love? Who do you love? And how does your your love reflect your priorities? Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind? And is that love, is expressing that love, living out that love, shaping things, shaping your priorities? That's the question, isn't it? 
loving the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind, the, the word and in between each of those tells us that these are different dimensions. They're not just the same thing. There's lots of overlap between heart and mind and soul, but they, they each have their distinctive elements and their distinctive qualities. If you want a kind of typology, a kind of biblical picture of what a human being is made up of, what we are constructed of, who we are called to be, here's just a slide that you can just see which um, simplifies quite a lot. The Bible actually uses these words interchangeably sometimes and in different ways, but, but broadly speaking, what the Bible says says to us is that God has made us body, our, our physical selves, our, our senses, smell, touch, taste, hearing, etc. I know there's more than that. Heart is our kind of emotional self. And, and when we use the word emotional, when the Bible's using it in that way, it means our motivations and our, our behaviors, not just feelings. And our mind Nick's going to be talking about this next week, is our, our thinking self, our rational self. Uh, uh, the truths that we hold, the, the reasoning that we apply. But the Bible says that the soul is what, is what unites. The soul is the breath of life, which, which constructs, which creates us as human beings. It's the divine breath of life that is in us. If you've, if you've ever seen anyone die, if you've ever seen anyone very soon after death and you uh, are aware of the stillness that there is in a human body when the divine spark of life has left, this is what we're talking about. This is the, the Bible says, our soul. It, what's, it's what makes us conscious human beings. In, in Genesis, that's the first book in the Bible many of us know, the picture that we're given of, of life is God doesn't create like a kind of physical envelope out of dust. He doesn't kind of create an envelope and then stick a, a, a soul bit into the middle. God takes matter, takes physical matter, takes the dust and breathes into it, onto it, through it. God breathes to make us conscious human beings. Conscious human beings. It's our soul that we're talking about. So the Bible says, you, you've, here we go, some verses, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his name. And, and those verses in the Bible is telling us that we've been created as human conscious beings to have relationship with the one who breathes and gives life to us. It's our, our first calling. It's our, our first love. Not a 
a dodgy French blue car or, or anything else. Our first love, our souls have been made. We are conscious human beings because of the one who's made us and our souls only find rest. Our souls only find joy. Our souls only find fullness of living when we're connecting to God our Father, the Creator. And some of us have got pots that are full of some stuff, pebbles and sand and water and rubbish and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, maybe there's a few big rocks, but we've got this big rock God that we're kind of trying to squeeze in afterwards into our lives, into the edges of our lives, into someone once talked about the God of the gaps. God's not the God of the gaps, just the bits of space that are left for him beginning of a year where we're responding we're living and asking ourselves this was Jesus answer to the most important question what is the most important thing I can I can do and I can be in my life and the answer is to love the Lord your God my God with all my heart with all my soul and with all my mind because friends I've got to I've got to hope that you will hear me when I tell you that there is a battle for your soul. We live in a world where people kind of ignore or sort of don't think about why we're here really. They don't address the question of, of why we are conscious human beings. My dog Alfie is brilliantly aware that he exists. He, he steps on a, a stone, it hurts his paw. He's got self-awareness, but Alfie is not sitting at home now going, oh God, why did I step on another stone today? That's consciousness. That's a thing, by the way, that people like Richard Dawkins and the other kind of atheists can't answer. If you ever look at any of the debates online, it's great. They can't answer this question. Where does that divine spark, that self-consciousness of what it means to be human come from? Why, why do we have these kinds of conversations? Because God has made us. And there's a battle for our souls because people don't ask the question about how do you get a soul in the first place? How do you get the divine life? People sadly don't ask properly the question about what happens when you die. The soul, says the Bible, is not automatically immortal. Those people who say, well... I believe there's something, you know, maybe I, maybe I like a bit of reincarnation, don't like the rest of it, but, you know, they are misguided. They're misguided. Here's a, here's a scripture, here's a verse. Jesus says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. The soul, it's clear, is precious. The soul, it's clear, is vulnerable. The soul matters. 
It's, it's not for this talk to go into great depth about the nature of heaven and the nature of hell. But I hope you know that as a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, we live with really what it's a, it is a very simple but profoundly deep kind of concept and understanding, a, a philosophy of life. We believe that God is the source of life and being. He breathes is the picture you might choose in a wonderful way to, to picture this as being the actual way it happened. But if you choose to understand it as being the Bible teaching us about the why bit and the most important gift bit, then hear it that way. God is the source of life. He breathes into matter. He chooses, though, to give us free will. He says you can follow a path if you want, which draws you closer and closer to me and into relationship to me. Your soul can be alive to me if you want, but I also give you the choice because I, I give you free will. I love you so much. You can choose a path which takes you away from me. I, 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 I find myself thinking, as others have, much more about people taking themselves to hell away from God than actually I do about God sending people to whatever hell may be like. But, but do I believe in heaven? Do I believe in an opposite hell? Yes, I do. Because philosophically, if God is the ground of all being, he is everything to be, then being with him must be a place, an existence of all being. And the opposite to all being must be not being. And if God is completely here in what we can call heaven... He's completely not here in what the Bible calls hell. And we could have massive debate about whether hell has, you know, what dynamics it has to it and how we're to understand bits of the Bible which talk about eternal punishment and all of those sorts of things. I, I, I Probably, to be honest with you, I think about it as annihilation. I think about it as nothingness. As, as others have, but I can tell you one thing I'm absolutely critically clear about. I don't want to be there. <laughs> you know, the one thing I know where I want to be is being with God. And the Bible tells me that there is a battle for my soul. And my choices here on earth, what I prioritize matters. God loves me so much that my choices in this eternal, eternal truth matter. So this thing of loving the Lord your God with all your heart and yes, all your mind and bodies come into it as well, is united around this, this critical thing in the centre, the soul. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? 
Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? We, we live in a world that will tell you that, that, that stuff matters, that, that, that stuff will give you happiness, that, that stuff, all kinds of things will bring you fulfillment. And that's, that's the main strategy of, of, of the evil one, the devil, the, the, the prince of hell. Again, if we're going to understand that language literally or we're going to understand it as picture language to teach us truths. The deception and the deceit is to tell us that other stuff will guard our souls. That the other things will protect and honour our souls. That's the, the way That's why it's so challenging. That's why our jars get filled with sand and gravel and sewage and rubbish. And we find that the God rock, the God things are not there. And we can't squeeze them in if we don't put them in first. God, God wants relationship with us. That's why he came in Jesus. For the sake of your soul. Name is going to read some verses from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Thanks, Nate. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It is a good news story. And thank you for being here. Because I believe by being here, you're moving towards God. And God's given us a a gift because when I was doing a typography of the human, I was trying to express what the Bible says about what it means to be a human being. There was an element I left out, wasn't there? Here's another slide. It's on this slide. Yes, we are body, physical. We are heart. Yes, we are mind, our thinking selves. Yes, the, the soul embraces and is the breath of life, but there's also the spirit, if you can see it in the red type there, sorry, doesn't stand out quite so well. 
And spirit, as the Bible talks about it, is, is the, the divine gift of God in us that makes us conscious of God. It gives us spiritual awareness. The spirit in us connects with the Holy Spirit, God with us. And there's a lot of us who the spirit inside us, it's just like the, the pilot light on a boiler. It's there, but it's only just flickering. And tonight, I think, and this year, I think God is saying, turn up the, the thermometer. Turn up whatever you turn up in order to, to make it flare up. The spirit is God's gift to us. God's places, says scripture, his spirit into, into us. And so the spirit is the bit of us, as I say, that connects with God and gives us faith and enables us to love him. The Bible says, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. We live, and you guys know this better than I, in a, in a world of restless souls. When your soul connects with God, when you, through the Spirit, through the consciousness and the awareness that God has placed in us that can connect with his Holy Spirit, our souls find rest. And because our souls embrace mind and heart, your mind is at rest. Your heart is at rest. Anyone here tonight who wants rest in their heart, rest in their mind? And when the Bible speaks about rest, it's not the absence of activity. It's the state of God. I said the beginning of the creation story. It's the state of God, isn't it? On the seventh day, God looks and sees that everything is good and he rests. One commentator has said that, that to rest in God is, is a fight, is a battle cry against the activity of this world, the drivenness of this world. Anyone here tonight feeling driven? Anyone here tonight who feels like they've got this jar, which is, you know, everyone's trying to just stuff more into it. <laughs> Even yourself trying to stuff more into it. Anyone want to hear, anyone here want to make a stand against the drivenness of the world, the, the world that tells you, you've got to do this, do this, be this, do this thing, be active, be successful, and then you'll be happy. Anyone want to put a stake in the ground and say, that's not how I'm made. That's not who I'm made. My soul, my being finds rest when I say, God, I love you. You first. When I just rest and know that it's not my effort, but it's receiving the gift. Just even in this moment, receive the gift. The Holy Spirit. God with us now. 
just coming into our hearts, coming into our minds, connecting. Breathe. Breathe. You're made to breathe. Your soul will find rest in the Lord. It's a journey. Step by step. Usain Bolt took less than 10 seconds to become the fastest man on earth. But he just didn't turn up at the track and say, I'll have a go at the 100 metres. It was years of steps towards. I don't know what God's saying to you is your first next step. doesn't have to be a big step. It might just be a small step. To say, God, you come. I choose. I choose to say that I want to love you with all my heart. With all my mind. All of me. All of my soul. Would you come? Would you come? The Holy Spirit leads us. So you don't know where to go? Don't worry. The Holy Spirit knows. The Holy Spirit is our, our counsellor. Don't know what to do. Don't know how to handle a relationship, handle a situation. Don't know how to make sense of careers and stuff. Don't worry. The Holy Spirit does. You feel vulnerable. You feel, feel how would I? Well, the Holy Spirit is our advocate. He speaks for us. Just receive. Just receive. Let your soul be watered by God the Holy Spirit now. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.